Welcome in, welcome aboard Seth Goldberg with you for another edition of a show to be named later. Rounding out the week on July 20th, 2018. We are on the heels of ACC Media Days. Let's dive in. Let's hear from Dino Babers. Let's hear from Eric Dungy and Chris Slayton and talk some SU football. Just a couple of weeks away from the start of fall camp. And we've got some stuff to dive into here on a show to be named later. You know what? Let's start with the Syracuse defense. Because when you look at last season, when you look at how it fell apart, it fell apart because of the SU defense. Because that unit was not good enough over the last couple of games of the season. Because they got outscored by 30 points on average over the last two games. Defense wasn't good enough. Offense wasn't good enough either. But I don't know that there's much the offense could have done given what the defense did to them. Right? Given the position the defense put them into. So let's hear from Chris Slayton right off the bat about the end of last season. Because he knows, I'm sure more than anybody, that the defense was to blame, I think, for the, the team falling apart. And sure, you could question whether the offense was the same after Eric Dungy. I know that. But the defense really struggled. The defense allowed 160-plus points combined over the last three weeks of the season. You're just not going to win games that way. You know, going back to last season, we obviously didn't finish strong, as strong as we would like. But that's been a whole focal point for this offseason. You know, just starting off strong and then just continue to fight and finish the season off strong. It's going to be interesting to watch how SU finishes this year because it's now been two years in a row where they've hit four wins and they haven't been able to power through. You know, the the SU-Clemson game was on TV on Thursday night, and so I was watching a little bit. I tuned in a little bit towards the end. There was nothing much on. I was scrolling, you know, channel surfing, scrolling through the guide, and I stumbled upon it. And it it struck me, and, and I know that this isn't anything that I didn't already know, But that was win number four for Syracuse. That was it. They moved to four and three before losing their last five games of the season. And that's the second year in a row that that's happened, right? Last year they moved to four and four. And then they lost four games in a row to to finish out the year. It's not like they are just an average to, you know, below average team and they're winning games, you know, through November. No. In each of the last few years, their last win is coming midseason. And that's a problem. It, it shows that you're petering out. It shows that you're dying out at the end of a season and you're having trouble making it to that finish line. I think that's something that we have seen out of Syracuse over these last two seasons. They really struggle getting to the finish line. And that's been the reason for these four and eight years back-to-back here. I'll throw out that first four and eight year with Scott Schaefer. But under Dino Babers, they've had trouble getting to the finish line. They've worn down. They've gotten hurt. They haven't had the depth to keep powering through injuries that happen just naturally. And as we talk about last year and the transition to this year, we know that the defense is going to have to be better. And one of the things that we know about the defense is it's going to look a little bit different. right? It's going to look a little bit different this year. 
No Zaire Franklin, no Paris Bennett, no Jonathan Thomas, guys who were starters for multiple years, all at the linebacker position. And Syracuse needs to make adjustments. And one of those adjustments, as was announced earlier in the week with the depth chart, is that they're going to play more nickel, and they're going to have Antoine Cordy on the field in this this nickelback safety linebacker hybrid position. One that I find fascinating, one that I think is very forward-thinking. And when you talk about Syracuse football, all the focus typically is on the offense, right? Faster, faster, and fastest. Keep on moving. The innovation of Dino Babers and the offense, to me, the nickelback hybrid linebacker safety type position for Antoine Cordy is innovative on the defensive side of the ball. When you look at what teams are doing in the NFL, Cam Chancellor, Tyron Matthew, Deon Buchanan, just a couple of the names that have done this at the NFL level, this is becoming a little bit more common. Have a safety who can play in the box, who can cover slot receivers, who can play safety and linebacker. And you're seeing it trickle down into college a little bit. But Syracuse adopting it and saying, hey, we just have to get our best guys on the field. We don't care what position they play. We just have to get our best guys on the field. That's an interesting concept to me. And I'm curious to see what it does for this football team and for this defense next year. And uh, Chris Slayton will tell us a little bit about the new defensive scheme. Well, what I like about it is that it gives the D tackles a lot more leeway, you know, in terms of assignments and things to do. And then the old defensive scheme that we had, it was a little more aggressive. And this scheme is is not as aggressive as it has been in the past. But and also, um, it like the whole nickel situation. It gives us like another personnel. And that gives us a lot of things to do. You know, one of the strengths of Syracuse's defense was some of the young pass rushers that they had. And to to hear Chris Slayton mention, you know, maybe this makes it a little easier on the defensive tackles and it gives them a little bit more space and a little bit more things to do. I think that uh, this helps Syracuse in that defensive line. They're young. There might not be a whole lot of depth. There might be some. But I think that a lot of the defensive line has some young talent, right? Slayton, obviously experienced, but McKinley Williams made an impact on games last year. Alton Robinson made an impact on games last year. There's clearly some talent there. And maybe this this scheme shift, maybe this allows them to do a little bit more, to take advantage of some more space and to wreak havoc on some of the quarterbacks in the ACC that, quite frankly, aren't as experienced as they have been in recent history. Now, I mentioned I was watching the Syracuse-Clemson game, and this is something that came up time after time after time. Syracuse got a lot of pressure on Clemson in that game, a lot of pressure from their defensive line. Alton Robinson, Chris Slayton, getting in and wreaking havoc on Kelly Bryant, on Zarek Cooper. And I think that that's something Syracuse needs to continue this year. We talked so much in previous seasons, about the Tampa 2 defense. We talk so much about how they don't blitz because that's not what you do in the Tampa 2, and things along those lines. Well, if the defensive line has more room to work with, and they think that that allows for better performance, let's say, then obviously that's just for the best. Right? Maybe that's just for the betterment of the team, and if they can wreak havoc and get to the quarterbacks easier without having to send blitzes, 
well, then the back end of your defense should look better as well. Let's hear from Dino Babers and some expectations on what this defense is going to look like. Again, a little bit of a scheme shift, and they've been hesitant to shift too much and and to call it quits. I don't want to say they are, but they've been hesitant to question their philosophy defensively early on in Dino Babers' tenure here. So this is a bit of a shift. Let's hear from Dino. I expect our defense to be better. I realistically think that they should be better. I think that we're we're more talented over there than uh, since uh, on that side of the ball since I've been there. This is the most talent we've had on that side of the ball since we've been there. Some of the talented is very experienced, like the young man that's sitting behind me, and some of that talented is very inexperienced. But I, there's no doubt in my mind that we're talented over there. So now we have to decide on how complicated or how simplistic we want to be uh, with the talent that we have not only on that side of the ball but on the offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, the recruits are better, and uh, we need to, and hopefully we'll see uh, better results on the football field. I think that what Dino said there is really interesting, and, and he's talking about getting his talented players on the field. And, and I mentioned this earlier, but I, I really do think that's what's behind the scheme shift. Right, Get your best players on the field. If you feel like you have more depth in the secondary, where you can move Antoine Cordy off of safety and play him as this rover, this hybrid, then you've got to get him on the field. If you feel like your linebacker depth isn't there, well, then that's the perfect opportunity. Play more nickel, which it seems like is what Syracuse is going to do this upcoming season. As Dino Baber said, he expects the defense to be better. I will tell you, I don't know if I expect it to be better, but it has to be better. The Syracuse defense last year was very good through about eight games. Hey, let's give them nine, right? Let's give them nine games. That The Syracuse defense was very good. And then after that, it fell apart. After that, it all came crashing down. Syracuse's defense passed the test in some of their biggest games. They played well in the LSU game. They played well enough in the NC State game. They played well in the Clemson game. Obviously, they won. The defense was a big reason why they won that game. I think the Syracuse defense played very well at Miami. Had another good game at Florida State. So they passed the big tests last year. They failed some of what should have been the easier ones. They failed against an okay Wake Forest and Boston College team. They failed against Louisville and Lamar Jackson. And I know it was Lamar Jackson, but you should know what to do considering he torched you, right? Do something else. Try something different considering what he did to you just a year earlier. So this defense last year was not good enough by the end. And whether that was because of attrition and wearing down and getting hurt or for some other factors, it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't be that bad defensively. You should be able to find a way to piece it together. To be able to hold it together at the end of the year if you're really a good defensive unit. And last year Syracuse could not do that. So I don't know if they will be better. I don't know that I can expect them to be better, like Dino Babers says or like Chris Slayton says, but I do know they need to be better defensively. I think this scheme shift could be a part of that. I really do. I think that getting their best 11 on the field in whatever formation is possible, regardless of position, I think that's the way to go. 
And I do think that they're deeper across the board than they were last year and the year before. I think they've got better talent this year than they did last year and the year before. So that should equal being better defensively. But I will believe that when I see it. We'll get back to the SU football talk in just a moment, but allow me to remind you that if you missed any of our shows on ESPN Radio Syracuse, you can get caught up with our best of podcasts. On the Block On Demand with Brent Axe, the Daniel Baldwin Show podcast, and 30 Minutes in Orange Nation when Steve and I return on August 6th. That is just around the corner. They're all on ESPNSyracuse.com on our podcast tab, and they are all on iTunes. Just search ESPN Syracuse, and you can get them delivered straight to your phone every day. You know about the iTunes feed. You know about our podcast tab because you are listening to a podcast right now. So just go and check out all the other podcasts. Uh, Check out the audio vault on ESPNSyracuse.com. Get all the interviews nice and neatly packaged from all of our shows separated from the rest of the show. So you can get the interviews. You can get 30 minutes of content. You can get a whole bunch of show content from us here at ESPN Syracuse. If you go check out our website, ESPNSyracuse.com. All right, now back to a show to be named later. All right, back here on a show to be named later, and we talked defense already. We did that earlier in the show, and I wanted to get to the offense because uh, Dino Babers is an offensive coach, right? This is going to be the focus of any of his teams. Look at where he was with Bowling Green. Look at where he was with Eastern Illinois when he was at Baylor. He's run high-powered offenses in his last few stops, and so this is going to be the focus of his coaching staffs and of his teams as we move forward so looking at the offense this year there's a clear line to draw when Eric Dungy is on the field and when Eric Dungy is not on the field and maybe that would have changed last year had this redshirt rule been in in effect and blah 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 and Tommy DeVito could have played instead of Zach Mahoney and Rex Culpepper but the fact of the matter is uh, that's not what happened, right? That is not the case. There was a clear difference last year and over the last couple of years when Eric Dungy is on the field and when Eric Dungy is not on the field. But let's assume Eric Dungy is healthy. Let's assume Eric Dungy is on the field. Uh, I wonder what Eric Dungy thinks of expectations going into the year. I mean, a bowl game, I mean, I don't, people always try to say, oh, you got to get six wins. I mean, how, how can you go into a season expecting, all right, we're going to lose this game, lose that game? That's never been my motto, so I'm, I want to win every game, and I think we're on the, on the cusp. We just got to get some younger guys to step up, and I think we got a big things coming, especially in the future as well. Um, I'm excited to see the, the direction that this program goes. Um, unfortunately, you know, I've been on the, you know, the backside of it, but I'm hoping to bring it on the front side. You know, I think the beginning of that was pretty funny. I, I really do. Uh, you know, Eric, you shouldn't be going into a season saying, we're going to win this game, we're going to lose this game, we're going to win this game. No, that's my job, right? Like, like that's my job to go through the schedule and play the, the win-loss, win-loss, loss-loss, win game. Uh, that's not your job. I, I thought that was funny. Uh, but along those same lines, you know, you, you look at going into this season, and, and I do think that a bowl game is a realistic expectation, as Eric Dungy said. You know, I think that that almost has to be an expectation among the team. 
Whether that's fair to say bowl game or bust, I'm not sure. But I do think that's the expectation going into this season. I do think that the expectation should be, let's win a bowl game, or let's go to a bowl game, because we haven't been there in five years. It's a long time since Syracuse has last been in a bowl game. They've got to get back to one. And it is year three, and you have a quarterback who is playing in Dino Baber's system for the third straight season. That has not happened with Dino as a head coach. You've got to take advantage. You've really got to take advantage of this. And I think that there's an opportunity to do that this year. Now, there are question marks around the offense. There are questions about Eric Dungy and whether he can stay healthy, and that might partially be due to him being a dual-threat quarterback and being able to run and his tendencies to run. But I do think, as he does, I do think being a dual-threat has its benefits. You know, running the football is real fun. Um, It's just kind of one of those things. I'm a competitive person, so... I want to do what I got to do to win. Um, but from a game plan perspective, uh, it's very tough. You know, if you have a dual threat quarterback, you kind of have to account in another person to watch him. So it kind of limits the pass game. And then if you're going to have more people in the pass game, you can run the ball a little easier. So um, if you've got a savvy quarterback who know, understands coverages and all that, you know, you're always a man up with that. So, See, and that last part is important. If you have a savvy quarterback. Is Eric Dungy that savvy quarterback? I, I don't know. Maybe. He's shown that he is talented, and I like his point. And realistically, when you think about it, that's the whole point of the Wildcat, right? Remember when the Wildcat started and it was running back direct snaps? The whole point was you get an extra man up, right? It's one less guy who's not doing anything. If your quarterback can run, that means that you actually have six people who do things outside of your offensive line. So it does change the math a little bit. On these equations, it changes the the numbers game, so to speak, offensively when you have a quarterback who can run. It also changes what the defense has to do because the defense has to then dedicate somebody to your quarterback because there's that threat he's going to take off. I think it's a great threat to have. Would you like to see it reined in a little bit? Would you like to see players a little bit more careful or Eric Dungy a little bit more careful? With how he runs, yes. And I don't think that that's an unfair thing to ask. But it is a weapon. And I don't want to see that weapon taken away completely. Because then that neuters the offense to an extent. Why take away one of the greatest abilities that your quarterback has? He is a great runner. You don't want to take it away completely. But you do want to take it away a little bit. You do want to rein it in, so to speak. You want to make sure that he's got a hold on it. Because that'll make him, at the end of the day, that'll make him a more effective quarterback. If he's got that reined in, if he's got, you know, the the running in a, a, what's the word? If he's using it the right way, I guess, right? If he's using it in situations that make sense for him. If he's running when it makes sense for him to run and things along those lines, then, you know, that becomes a really dangerous weapon. And could make him a better player. I think Eric Dungy's got arm talent. I know he's got talent running the ball. He's just got to find the balance. And I think that we're still working on finding that balance when we watch Eric Dungy. The other thing going into this year that I think is going to be interesting is how does Syracuse fill holes? Each year they've had to figure something out offensively. Right? With Dino Babers. His first year they come in. 
and you think it's going to be Steve Ishmael who shows off and, and has a great year, and instead it's Amba Edetawo, and he comes out of nowhere, has a great year, but he's like a comet, right? He's just soaring through, and, and he's out one year after he's in. He's grad transfer, he's out of here. Okay, then Ishmael steps up, and Irv Phillips steps up. But now both of those guys are gone. So who is it going to be this year? Now, Eric Dungy didn't name names, but he seems to think that won't be a problem. Well, what was it? My sophomore, you guys were saying you guys lost Amba, so what are you going to do next? And then Stephen Ish steps up, so, or um, Stephen Irv stepped up, so um, people are saying the same thing. So I'm still waiting to see that, but I see, like I said, I see a lot of young guys. We got four or five guys in my mind that I think could be those next guys. Um, obviously, somebody's going to catch the ball, so just going to wait and see who it is. So the obvious answer to these questions, right, the obvious choice here for who is going to step up, who is going to make that difference, the obvious answers are Jamal Custis, Devin Butler, right? Akeem Johnson, Shira, uh, right? I mean, I think those are the, the easy answers, those three. Custis and Butler, I think, being among the top of the list. I also think Ravion Pierce is going to have a big year. I think he's going to be a really important piece to this team. He showed last year's skills, right? He showed the ability at times last year to go out and have big receiving games. He showed pretty good blocking ability last year as well. And just earlier today on Friday, he was named to the Mackey Award watch list. I mean, I think he's a guy who could be set up for a pretty big season. And if he's a receiving threat, that just adds more to your team. So I don't think that that'll be a problem. I think that they'll find something. I think that think they'll find somebody. The system is conducive to it. The tempo is conducive to it. So I don't think I would worry about who it's going to be. Somebody is going to step up. Whether it's Custis or Devin Butler or Pierce. Somebody will step up. Dante Strickland maybe. Mo Neal out of the backfield. These guys are all going to play roles on this team. And I talked about this a lot last year, but when you look at an offense, right, when you look at a football team, and I've talked about this in regards to basketball too, when you look at a football team, there's a certain number of yards that you are going to gain, right? Last year, Syracuse football threw for 3,538 yards. Last year, Syracuse football ran for nearly 2,000 yards. It's about 5,500 yards. That number's not going to dip too much lower than 5,500 yards. Right? Just think about it in that regard, right? It's a math equation. That number is not going to dip too much farther below 5,500 yards. And in all reality, it's going to go up. Right? You're probably going to have somewhere around 4,000 passing yards. You're probably going to have somewhere around 2,000 rushing yards. Each team is going to get to these numbers. The question is, how do they get to these numbers? Who is catching these passes? Who is running for these yards? Somebody will do it. Last year, it turned out to be Irv and Steve Ishmael. This year, I would imagine it's Devin Butler and Ravian Pierce. Jamal Custis, Nikeem Johnson. I would imagine they have bigger impacts on the team this year than they did last year. Because they seem like the most likely candidates. 
So when I look at that, I don't worry about that equation too much. It's a math problem. You have this many yards to divvy up. You're going to get this many yards over the course of a season. Who gets those yards is the question that you have to answer. The offense will be there. The system will produce. Eric Dungy will produce. You just have to wonder who's on the receiving end. Who benefits from those guys leaving? Who benefits from the system? Who benefits by stepping up and making the most of their opportunity? I tend to think it'll be Devin Butler, Jamal Custis, Ravian Pierce, Nikeem Johnson. Probably Sean Riley, too. I think those four or five guys are going to get a lot of opportunity, especially early. But I don't really worry about it. Eric Dungy, I think, is a capable quarterback. If he goes down, you have your best backup that you've had in some time in Tommy DeVito. And you go from there. It's quite simple to me. This team's in a pretty good position. The defense should be better. The defense is making adjustments. The defense is changing what they do. And the offense is going to be the offense. The offense is going to perform. Because that's what Dino Babers does best. All right, on that note, we will wrap things up for today. That does it for us. That does it for us this week on a show to be named later. Remember, check out all our podcasts on ESPNSyracuse.com. Subscribe on iTunes. You'll get them delivered straight to your phone each and every day as soon as they are posted. That does it for us. We'll talk to you again on Monday.